Hello and welcome to Fundraising Forward. I am Brittany Schaff, the Global Vice President of Fundraising at Graduate. Today, my listeners, I have my very, and I mean very close friend, Adrian Brown with me, the Assistant Vice President of Annual Giving and Engagement Strategies at NYU. Adrian, thank you so much for joining me today. Thank you so much for having me here, Brittany. It's truly my honor to join you and talk about all things fundraising forward. Super excited. Well, before we get into the title and topic of conversation, which is retaining annual giving talent while being resource constrained, <laughs> let's give our listeners a little bit more background about you, that amazing new title you have, um, and how we kind of got here. Sure. So um, I have a, a long and winding story, but I'll try to keep it concise um, as best I can. Um, so basically, you know, I'm from Michigan, started out at Michigan State University, very proud Spartan, um, started out there and upon graduation was, you know, like many students trying to figure out what my next step would be, quickly found myself doing event marketing for General Motors. Um, and then that parlayed into a lot of different opportunities and experiences, but namely really in corporate corporate marketing around automotive um, and automotive marketing and all of those great things. So that's where I found myself for five years. Then 2008 happened and the automotive market kind of you know, did what it did. And I actually really took that as an opportunity to ask myself what it is that I really wanted to do and where I wanted to do it. So I ended up moving to New York City, started working with United Healthcare, doing marketing for them, also um, took a turn with American Express, um, did marketing for them, um, and then had sort of a moment where I asked myself, you know, where is this really going? What do I really want to say my career will become? found myself in higher ed because I felt that I wanted to make an impact. I wanted to um, change lives and I wanted to do that in the best way I could. I knew I wasn't going to be a doctor. It was too late for that. So um, ended up telling myself, maybe I can raise money um, for people who really, really need it and want to chase their dreams. And um, so that's how I found myself in higher ed fundraising. Um, I started at NYU as a marketing coordinator and have progressively moved up from there. And I am now the Assistant Vice President of Annual Giving and Engagement Strategies. So that is my whole career story. <laughs> um, in a nutshell, right? In a nutshell, um, yeah. <laughs> I, I love your modesty. So for those of you who are listening, uh, Adrian's probably the most successful and yet modest individual you'll ever meet. Um, and this new AVP title that you have is quite new. In fact, maybe even so new that the listeners listening right now might not even know that you have this new title. It is um, very new. I'd love to, it's, it's very unique engagement strategy. So would you mind just quickly kind of going over what that means? And then of course, we'll, we'll jump right into the topic of conversation. Sure. So I think the annual giving part speaks for itself. Um, and I really truly do believe in the power of annual giving and giving annually and what that means. And perhaps that's another topic for another day, but the engagement strategies piece. Um, so that is a unique new aspect where we're bringing in the um, interconnectivity between engagement activities, which is usually traditionally thought of as alumni relations 
and how we can use that to create true pipeline into annual giving and therefore create that foundation that is necessary for all really good fundraising shops. So really taking that full pipeline picture of our donor journey from when they are first engaged with us as alums all the way through hopefully their planned gift um, and looking at all of the aspects um, and intersectionality within. Uh, so it's really exciting. And part of that in that new remit that I have is looking at um, the topic that's sort of at hand today, which is how we can discuss with our donors the criticality and the seriousness and the, the gravitas, if you will, of um, inclusivity, diversity, um, and access for, for everyone, um, but also specifically how our donors can push that conversation forward by making a gift through NYU. So that is also a part of my new title. Um, and I'm very excited and also really proud of that um, because I do feel that we're on the precipice of making really fantastic change. And I'm just excited to be a part of it. I love it. Thank you for walking us through that. Thank you for walking me through it. Mm -hmm. For those of you who know Adrian and I, you will know that we are actually quite close friends. Uh, professionally, I guess, per personal. Is there a professional personal line at this point? I feel like we're just friends. We're just friends. <laughs> um, and so when I, I was gathering information from our graduate partners and they were asking lots of questions about could you do a podcast session around how to retain annual giving talent while being resource constrained. And I think we've all hit that constraining point even more so because of COVID, right? Our positions being frozen or um, just going away completely, our budgets being even more constrained than they had historically. I thought, well, yes, let's do that. But also who can lead that discussion? And that led me to you, my friend. And I thought maybe we could switch it up. While we have this discussion, since we are such close friends, and one of the things that we have, we've been talking about doing a podcast session for A little years. bit. Yeah, <laughs> years. Yeah, yeah. Um, and we both love music. I thought maybe we could switch it up a little bit. So how about we drop song lyrics in this podcast session mm -hmm. and we encourage our listeners to email me after they listen to this and if they can count the amount of song lyrics we drop we'll send them some graduate swag okay this is i i love a challenge clearly so this is one i'm definitely up for and good luck to all the listeners because i've got some Got some good ones in there, I think. <laughs> let's, let's let's do it. Let's let's jump into this. So if we're talking about retaining annual giving talent while being resource constrained, I think mm -hmm. let's start off by um, kind of walking through ways in which that you and your team at NYU are combating this right now. And I know that we've talked about you have multiple programs um, and even a new and an office that you're working with to kind of compete against this. But walk us through what broadly you all are doing as a team at NYU. Sure. So, um, you know, coming out of COVID, I think it's no secret, just industry wide, that there, you know, there's so many terms for this, right? Great resignation, sort of mass exodus, people just moving, jumping around, um, you know, jump around, jump around. So, when we have these kinds of things happening, um, you know, you have to ask yourself as a leader of an organization, as um, someone who's really trying to make sure that um, not only are you attracting, but you're also keeping um, the people who are helping you create this change. You know, what, what can we do? 
what does that look like? And I think there are some things that remain the same, right? So you, you know, you spend time doing team assessments, you try to build good culture, all of these things. But I think the other thing that came out of the pandemic, as you alluded to, Brittany, is just sort of what is really going to resonate with um, this new kind of growing marketplace of talent. Um, and especially when annual giving as an industry and sort of alumni engagement as an industry is also changing, right? It's also moving and we're bringing in new technology, which I know we're gonna also talk about, but you know, you're bringing in new topics and all of these different things. So how do you bring all of these things together to um, not only create the, the space to um, retain talent, but also to make sure that you're on point with what the rest of the marketplace is talking about, right? Like you're not the only person out there. You're not the only, you know, the only, the only game in town. So um, what we've done at NYU or what I've tried to do alongside my leadership is to a couple of things. So we've really taken a step back and looked at ourselves as a, de as a department. So we did some really great, we had some great listening sessions as a university from um, all of our constituents where they talked a lot about, um, you know, how they felt and what was meaningful to them. And this all came out of then a, a longitudinal study, a big survey. Um, so we've taken all of that and we've created uh, employee working groups. Um, we've created value statements, mission statements, cultural statements. So all of this internal work is also happening, right, um, at the same time. But then there's the external facing piece of this and how you can partner um, across campus with folks who are also engaging in this conversation with you. So as what you were talking about, Brittany, is our Office of Global Inclusion. Um, we've created this really strong partnership with them to identify areas that align with their missions and topics that we can um, fundraise around. And I think that when you take all of these things together and you're talking to potential recruits and, or shouldn't say recruit, potential um, hires and you're talking to the people that are currently working for you um, and working with you, I think it's really important that you can go come to the table and say to them, not only are we doing this work internally as a team, as a department, as a university, and we're really asking ourselves the, ourselves the tough questions, we're investing in this, we're like taking the time, but we're also funneling that and making sure that we're putting the face forward to our recipients and our donors, that they can partner with us in really creating impact in this meaningful way. And not only that, we're aligning it with the subject matter experts in this area at campus. So I think that those are the types of things that you have to do. You have to be willing to have the tough conversations with yourself, with the team, with each other, but then you also have to be willing to look around and see where those partnerships naturally occur and organically arise. And that is what I think um, the new wave of workers are looking for. They're looking for people who are not only willing to invest in themselves, but then take that and invest in them. I think that's um, really impactfully said. I guess if I had to ask you a follow-up question, are you essentially using now, or is it the goal, the partnership between your Office of Global Inclusion and your UDAR staff as a way to um, empower your staff to not just have the donors tell the story, but essentially have the employees be empowered on who tells their story. Mm -hmm. Yes, I mean, I think you can certainly, absolutely, um, absolutely say that. And I think it's also important that the employees see themselves in that story, right? So, you know, it's one thing to work for an employer and, you know, you're, you're doing the thing that you do, you're pushing out the message that they're asking. It's a completely different feeling 
to see, feel, hear your employer reflect back to you the stories that are part of your own lived experience. And I think when that happens, you have something really powerful um, in creating a sense of connectivity and a sense of commitment to the work. Um, and these are things that didn't necessarily come from me per se, although I am, you know, a part of some of the, the stories that are reflected back. These are things that have come directly from people who I work with, who work for me, who have said, you know, when we worked on, for example, we had this great campaign that we did with our LGBTQ plus center. When we worked on that, that was like, you know, the first time in a while that I really felt like I was doing work that really felt very meaningful. It was so tangible. I could really see the difference. And, and I don't say that to say that they didn't see it before. I just think it was a new lens that they could look through that um, created another layer of, of, of meaning and another layer of, um, you know, altruism in their work that they can tap into, right? Um, so I think something you always have to ask yourself in any job, but especially when you're doing fundraising, is the why um, and the mission. And I think when you can add a different dimension to that mission, um, it really does create uh, new opportunity, new experiences in, for people in a way that maybe they hadn't seen before. Agreed. Let's dive into the LGBTQ example or, or another example, um, but because I think for our listeners and myself, it'd be great to hear more specific. So are you, I'll give you a scenario. You tell me if this is essentially what you're trying to achieve. Um, the world is now operating in more of a give through NYU, which is what you said earlier, give through your alma mater, give through uh, your organization of choice to make an impact. But that includes then being for the staff who are part of the organization being a part of it. So rather than having one person manage a crowdfunding initiative in partnership with the LGBTQ alumni group, Mm -hmm. opening it up to your DAR, UDAR's colleagues to have more people be part of that LGBTQ campaign, knowing that that cause um, mm -hmm. is likely important to a wide variety of people within the organization and not just, for lack of a better term, like hoarding that impact mm -hmm. with the one person who has traditionally managed that relationship. Mm -hmm. Um, yes, I think so. Um, let, I just want to make sure I'm understanding your question, Brittany. Um, I think if I'm hearing you right, the, the ability to have something like LGBTQ plus, or we have an, another campaign that we're working on to commemorate, um, a trailblazing group in black theater, um, you know, some of, I guess for, you know, to distill it down to what you were saying, some of these cause-based initiatives, um, I think it does. I mean, it allows you to, and I, I just want to kind of go back to what I was saying before. If you're talking about employees and we do have employee outreach, we reach out to employees to give all of the time. If you're talking about that and engaging that particular group of people and not only engaging them to become donors, but also engaging them as, you know, just to be a part of the organization, I think it's important to show people that when we're speaking, when we're talking, when we're putting our message out to the marketplace, it's not just because you work here or because you went here or, you know, those those messages still work, of course, but I think the landscape in the conversation is shifting, right? So I think the lack of having that conversation, as you were saying, like you're hoarding the impact in this one space or you're hoarding the impact with this one person, you're putting it all on this one person to shepherd the message. It 
shows that as a department, we're willing to partner, we're willing to spread that impact, we're willing to share in that. But it also shows to the employees, to the donors, to everyone, that there are other ways that you can be philanthropic through NYU than just because you're an alum or because you're a parent. There's so many ways that we can we can bring our work and our mission and our, um, our impact forward. Um, so I think all of that goes into play, whether you're talking about creating employees who are donors or creating a workplace that is representative and inclusive for all employees. Good. Yeah, I think if I were still working at a university, I, I would frankly really like this model, uh, especially in annual giving. And, um, you know, your star talent is easily overlooked, um, right, from a management perspective, because you're so busy and you're like, oh, yeah, you know, Adrian over there, she's excellent. She's going to be excellent. She's just, you know, she's my reliable one. I think giving people opportunity to be more involved in other things, cross institutional or cross divisional programs, as you've just described, definitely will not just help them be retained because you're giving them opportunities to learn and additional skill sets for the repertoire uh, of their tool belt here, but also you might re recognize just from this ability that they belong in a different route or they have a skill set that you didn't recognize. Um, and at the very least, it brings in what has traditionally been deemed as like external factors, like world affairs, and brings them more into your organization. I'm curious, not that NYU isn't unique in their, their thinking and their approach, and rightly so they are, but is there an, an, a school or university or organization that is also doing something similar where you got this idea from? Um, and if so, would you mind sharing that? Sure. Um, so, <laughs> I, I mean, there's lots of organizations that do this type of work, right, that are social impact or social, social mobility or however you kind of want to, to frame it. And I, I will say that it was interesting when I started the role, one of the first things that I did or I proposed to do was to sort of look at the existing work that's already happening, again, through this new lens, right? So like before, where I might have looked at, for example, like our School of Professional Studies, you're looking at that, you're looking at sort of the future of work and what that means. You might just sort of see that as a School of Professional Studies, but now I sort of see it as like, how is that work changing the landscape for all of these people who participate in these programs? You know, can I, can I talk about this message differently with a different kind of um, impact statement? So it's really kind of changed the way that I think about um, work and fundraising and, and all of these things. So I just wanted to sort of share that and put that out there. But in terms of places that do this well, I actually have seen a lot of schools use this for their days of giving. Um, you know, I know that you know Howard at Berkeley. I mean, he has a really great example of this and how he's been able to kind of translate these um, social social messages, social impact messages, these um, really like change making efforts and combine them um, around days of giving um, to really create a difference. And I think, um, you know, I think Berkeley is a really great example because they have sort of like that history of being like a very kind of like social activist kind of minded community. So perhaps that's, and I don't want to speak for him, of course, but perhaps that's something that his, um, his donors and his alumni were looking for anyway. Um, but again, like your ability to listen, right, to what people are looking for and, and translate that into an opportunity, um, I think is really what I'm kind of trying to convey. And I think, you know, that's just another great example of someone who does it really well. And I'm sure, I don't, I don't wanna leave anybody out. I'm sure there's lots of institutions who do this and do this well, 
but that's kind of where the inspiration sort of started. Um, and we would do it here and there, but I, I really felt like it was important to, to, to bring it all together and to do this in a very meaningful and intentional way. I think we we all love and adore Howard. Um, so listening. Um, nice shout out, Adrian. Um, no, I agree. I think what's interesting is that you've essentially taken what is traditionally done as like a giving day approach to social mobility and inclusion, um, and you've actually brought that in as a um, internal staffing um, and cultural perspective, rather than just looking at it as an external one knowing very well that if it can help acquire, retain, and cultivate donors, it very likely will help um, retain or even acquire really high talent. Brilliant, brilliantly done. Um, let's transition to a, a different conversation that's related. Um, you spoke earlier about partnering with um, your, your partnering your star or rising talent with faculty and staff outside of uh, University of Development Alumni Relations, UDAR. Um, so how are you doing that? Um, and what successes have you seen already from that approach? Yeah, so um, part of what we do for our um, crowdfunding platform, what we, what we have, um, is we have a whole process where we allow people to apply and, you know, get the projects on board and what have you. And many times that comes from faculty and staff. And so, you know, most of these ideas, most of these project ideas that we have um, come directly from our faculty members who are trying to create a certain experience or create a certain opportunity for their students, for their community. So in building these projects for them, you naturally create um, these, these partnerships um, or something else that I've seen. And, and again, like this allows for um, my team and for people doing the outreach to interact with a different um, facet or aspect of the university that they might not, you know, doesn't always happen, right? Like we're very much a part of the administrative arm. You don't necessarily always have the opportunity to work with the academic arm. Um, so it's really great. It's really nice when you get this chance and you can dive deep into the work that they're doing um, and bring it forward. Another thing is now that I have engagement strategies as a part of my work, the alumni relations directors that I partner with, you know, they are tasked very much with bringing faculty forward to serve as speakers or to, again, highlight the work that's happening with the alums. And so naturally, because I, um, in my overarching strategy, I have the uh, IDBEA is what it's called at NYU. I have that as a part of the strategy for everyone that reports into me. The alumni relations directors are looking for ways to bring that message forward in the work that they're doing. We're looking for ways to bring philanthropy into that. So you naturally have this kind of intersection that happens. It kind of just organically sort of beautifully happens because you have an event that's around something that's social, social impact, social cause the faculty member comes in, they wanna talk about the work that they're doing in this space. And again, that only goes to further show how NYU is really creating change and how when you as a donor give through that experience, you're also partnering with that faculty member to create that change. And then also as an employee, how when you bring these ideas forward, when you're bringing this onto the platform, how you're a part of creating that change. So again, I think it just all, um, it's just, I, I keep going back to this, example of the lens, um, but that really is like the prism through which all of this is sort of happening. Um, and, you know, it just cascades into everything onto the phones, into the emails, all of it, you know, you call me on my cell phone, you do this, and we talk to you about, 
you know, ways that we can engage you in things that are meaningful. So, yeah. Yeah, it sounds like you're putting everyone in kind of formation there uh, when it comes to organizing the structures for sure. Absolutely, absolutely. Um, I don't know if anyone just caught, you just missed two different, very <laughs> impressive song lyrics in less than 30 <laughs> seconds. Um, everyone's now just writing, rewinding this part of the recording. Um, I have to ask, you know, the next the next iteration of kind of what you're saying here, uh, I feel is the reverse of it, right? You just talked about how you take star talent or rising talent and partner with a faculty member um, uh, or staff member outside of DAR. What about the reverse? What about trying to um, find rising student talent and connecting mm -hmm. them? With DAR. So, for instance, you and I talk all the time about um, digital marketing analytics or just hard analytics. Mm -hmm. um, is the I guess the question is the next iteration for you, Adrian, at NYU is looking at start student talent, perhaps even in the mathematical space, and partnering them with NYU's UDAR talent. Yes, it's interesting that you bring that up because that, so we're talking about people that we get ideas from. And I, it's actually an idea that I got from you, Brittany, and how, and is, I think this is something that all leaders should always keep to like think about. Okay, so I just want to put this out there is that you always have to be open for inspiration to hit you from any one angle and um, and just being receptive to that, right? And so in, in our conversations with you, I remember you had mentioned about, you know, make sure that you're when you're talking about resources and you're talking about how you can tap into partners, like think about the students, think about the people that are literally doing this for credit in a class and they need access to a data set. And so, yes, 100%, I have reached out and I'm hopeful that come this May will be a part of the pitch process for some of our business analytics students who are getting their masters. I'm hopeful um, that they will choose us as the, the partner that they want to work with um, in helping to support us in this work. Um, but I also think that NYU has no shortage of amazing, talented students. I mean, they are some of the most incredible students. You could literally pick any one student and talk to them, and they are just sensational. But one thing that really comes to mind is that um, a project that we've been talking a lot about is food security and making sure that the students have nutritious meals. This is a, is a topic across many institutions. This is not unique to NYU. But the idea of that, of doing some kind of campaign around it, doing some kind of outreach around it, actually came directly from a student um, and the president of our student government. So, um, you know, I think that just, um, again, being open and receptive to um, where inspiration can come and always never feeling like it always has to come from you, but that you are really, you can really be a conduit for inspirational work. Um, and I, I definitely think that the students are always a great source of that and they want to partner, you know, and, and again, when we're talking about creating connections and um, lifelong pipeline for our alums, the best place to start is by creating those experiences for our students. Agreed. Yeah. And I would, I, I love the idea that students are coming to you all now with ideas. I think that really showcases the growth of your culture of philanthropy. We, we, we all know that students don't generally do that. Um, and when they do, it's, it's one of those moments where you're just like, yes, we're doing something right. Um, yeah. We're getting there, babysitting yeah. it. Um, do you foresee that this partnership, whether it's funding rising student talent and partnering them with your DAR talent or partnering rising DAR talent with 
our existing faculty members. Mm -hmm. Do you foresee is that being both scalable mm -hmm. and are you able to show that that work is going to help you retain your talent? Because it's not really affecting your resources. These are, you're doing this without adding resources, adding um, technology, you're just redefining your resources. But do you mm -hmm. think it's scalable? And then if so, how are you going to measure that? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, you know, I, I don't know that it is necessarily sustainable if we want to make sure that this can grow in a scalable way, right? I think that there's only so much that anyone can do, any one person. Um, so part of your question is how do you measure it so that you can create that business case of impact to substantiate, hopefully, more investment, whether it's human resources or technological resources, whatever the case may be. Um, I think one easy way to really measure that is just to, sh to make sure that those hard metrics that you and I were talking about when we're talking about what does success look like? So a part of the plan, the strategic plan that I've written for this is what does success look like truly just on a metric basis? And then how did you baseline that? And then how do you show growth? So for us, you know, that's determining what kind of allocations or the gift allocations that fall into these areas. How many projects are we doing? Um, you know, how many partnerships have we forged? How many events? You know, all of these things and just baselining that so that you have that level set of expectation. And then we try to create sustainable, growth from there. Um, you know, it's not like you can go from nothing to 25 million. I would love that, but that might not necessarily be um, the most uh, achievable target. So I think, again, if you're driving this conversation, making sure that you're managing expectations up front, but doing your homework and baselining um, what is actually going on in this space so that you can create, uh, you know, or a true reflection of how you can grow it. I do think it needs to grow. I, I don't think that it's sustainable as is. Um, and so I guess I've given you a few ideas of how I would measure that, but I also think that there's the, that's like the external measurement, right? Of like donors and converting people to donors. But I also think that there's the measurement of the internal work that I talked about earlier. So how are you, you know, how are you partnering with your HR staff to make sure that you are always having a diverse pool of candidates, both from experience and from other, like maybe demographic standpoints? How are you bringing in some of those core value statements into your job descriptions, into your onboarding process? Like, what does that all look like? And again, I think that's why it's so important that if this is something that you're trying to do, not only from a programmatic standpoint and how you're creating initiatives, but also from how you're recruiting staff, to have those internal conversations with your staff partners to make sure that you're doing this across the board. And it's not just you alone trying to create something by yourself. Agreed. Let's, before we jump into um, adding more resources, whether it's tech or people, I think I just want to make sure we we understand, like, I feel like this point in this conversation, we've, we've definitely addressed ways in which that NYU is going to try to mitigate this like ontology of should I stay or should I go? Um, but let's then move into if we're able to add tech and, and additional resources like FTEs or headcounts, how are we doing that? So I guess the question for you is to start off, are you looking at adding specific skill sets? Um, and then if so, 
which ones would they be? Mm -hmm. Um, yes, I think, I think my team has some really strong skill sets that I just would like to see them have the time to grow more. Um, and, you know, I think that really comes down to digital marketing and digital analytics. I think that that, if we're talking about how we're creating, um, these experiences, I think that the e-commerce marketplace has an appetite for immediacy and has an appetite for personalization, has an appetite for, um, you know, just really kind of like smart, sharp outreach. Um, and so I think my team does a really, really great job of this. And I think that this will continue as technology does, as it grows, it morphs, it changes, you have to really keep up with that. So giving them the time to, to keep pace um, with that, I to that end, I think, you know, um, that's sort of like the skill set for the employee. I think that there's also the skills and the platforms and the technology that you can work on and partner with that can make that that journey a little bit easier for you. Um, and so I know as an institution, as a department, we're always um, making sure we have a keen eye on what that looks like and how that can take shape. And, um, you know, when all of those things come together, then like the birds suddenly appear and, you know, it's, it's a beautiful day. That it is. Um, you know, we had uh, Mo Cotton Kelly on our podcast recently, who is now overseeing, it feels like so much, um, if not almost everything at the University of Connecticut Foundation. Um, <laughs> but she did say something and kind of left us with a bit of a teaser, which I'm glad that we're talking to you about this as well, because you just brought it up is, um, skills and technology are two different things that need to be addressed. So skill-wise, looking at adding or enhancing, I should say, your digital marketing, digital analytics. But if we're looking at technology, ways in which that we can promote um, both tech that will keep our star talent and challenge them further, tech that at the same time will help achieve our external goals, i.e. pipeline and engagement growth, fair point. But let's talk about um, adding when we can FTEs that don't just complement our star talent from a skill set, but complement our star talent from a needs and diversity mm -hmm. standpoint. I think this is probably what you were alluding to just now. I'm wondering if you could give a little bit more insight into what you meant by that. Yeah, so absolutely. So, I mean, I think that all comes from that conversation around what is scalable, what is sustainable, how much can any one person do, right? So like, when you start to think about bringing on someone and adding to your team, adding to the pantheon of people that you have or hopefully have, um, I think part of that is, again, just bringing this all together, like that mission, that purpose, that ability to create impact, that ability to create change. There's always going to be the work of the work, right? There's always going to be, especially in annual giving, it's, I always kind of liken it to like a Ford truck, right? Like we just like get in there and that's not, I'm not, we don't part, I'm not trying to like, you know, it's not an ad for Ford. I'm just saying like, <laughs> we get in there, we, you know, you do the hard work. I'm from Detroit, so whatever, but you get in there, you do the hard work. Sometimes you get a little dirty, but you're going to push through, right? So um, there's always going to be that kind of, um, you know, the, the the kind of like churn of annual giving where you're just really getting into the segmentation and you're sending things out and you're getting out heavy volume communication. But I think if you can marry that and partner that with 
um, some of these other initiatives that also amplify the work, um, that's when you can really attract and retain. And um, I think that like you were sort of alluding to, how do you do that? How do you pull in that impact messaging and that value statement so that you are making sure that you're not only attracting diverse talent, but as I mentioned before, diverse, of course, you want your um, your talent to hopefully reflect back um, the landscape of the world. That's uh, personally, that's what I would believe in. Um, but you also want to make sure that you're bringing in diverse skill set, diverse thought, diverse background, all of these things so that you have a, a diverse experience of talent that you can tap into. I will also say that with technology, um, you want to make sure that you have a good mix there as well. And um, you know, I think it's important. I also oversee the leadership annual gift officers. So I also oversee a frontline fundraising arm of this. And I think as I look through the pipeline, now that I have this higher view of things, um, I also think it's important to make sure that whatever you're bringing on can help you on various aspects of that donor journey. So again, asking yourself the why, asking yourself what it is that you're really trying to accomplish, um, and does the technology support that to that end? Um, and, you know, some things that we also think about, you know, when we part, these are all things that you got to kind of like ask yourself when we partner with procurement, our procurement goes through a whole process of looking at diverse vendors, diverse suppliers, all of these things. These are all ways that you can be a part of making change if you so choose. It's remarkable the fact that you've been able to take a topic like retaining annual giving talent by being resource constrained. And up until about two minutes ago, we didn't actually talk about any additional or additive tech or resources to retain your annual giving talent. I think sometimes the first thing we think about is they need this object, mm -hmm. they need this tool. But really what you've just described is retaining them by giving them opportunity from a different lens to use your mm -hmm. word. Mm -hmm. um, and I think that's, it's actually, I think quite helpful, especially as we know, we're, we're not going to always have the resources that we want and need. And not all of us can hire 15 people in a day um, or even have 15 people on their team in general, right? Mm -hmm. Before we kind of bid you adieu and say bye-bye-bye, um, I want to just um, kind of summarize three major takeaways I had from this conversation, which is quite hard um, to be honest with you because they were so intricate. So I apologize in advance, my friend, for not summarizing it all. Um, <laughs> I think your statement around looking at how to retain top talent within your division by including them in the process of change is a good first step. From there, looking at ways in which that you can provide them opportunity by including them in the what needs to be changed and why and how do we do it would be like a subsequent step of the first one. Second major takeaway is allow them to identify where they want to improve and then create them almost a buddy system. <laughs> but rather than having a buddy internally to your division, look at that buddy as someone who could potentially be a faculty member or a staff member externally to the division. Don't be afraid, third major takeaway, to look at it reversed. 
If we're looking at retaining top talent, how do we identify acquiring top talent that we know is top? And the best way when we're at major universities or any university is to look at your student base. So what students are currently stars or rising stars and how do you integrate them, not just from a, can you be a social media advocate or a fundraising advocate, or can you sit on our student board, marry their um, knowledge and what they're learning in the classroom to the work that you're doing in the division. Mm -hmm. And lastly, don't be afraid to use your technology, not to just enhance your external goals, but your diversity um, process within the division to help retain talent, let those stars be part of the process and decision-making of what tech to use and how to use it. Mm -hmm. So like I said, I tried very hard to recap that conversation. I'm pretty sure our listeners are gonna send me an email and be like, Brittany, you lost some this A, B, and C, and that <laughs> is okay too. Listen, um, A, B, C, one, two, three, it's all in there, Brittany. <laughs> um, and for those of you who chimed in halfway through this conversation, I would encourage you to go back to start um, because Adrian and I said from jump, we would be using um, song lyrics throughout this conversation and anyone who can keep track or thinks they know how many we dropped, please email me um, <laughs> and tell me how many you think we did and we will send you some really cool graduate swag. Adrian, thank you so much for having this conversation with us. Thank you for sharing your insights and your guidance and really the direction that NYU is going. Congratulations again on your title. Well, thank you, Brittany. I want to say thank you so much and appreciate it. And um, I want to just also say one last thing is that you talked a lot about change and all those things. It's important that as an employee, you make sure that you're at an institution that's open to having that conversation about change. First and foremost, I, I just want to say that I'm just super thankful to be at a place where I can be this thoughtful about my work. So thank you for having me. It's been a pleasure. Absolutely. Thank you, Adrian. Um, until next week, our listeners, I am Brittany Schaff, and thank you for listening to Fundraising Forward.